Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew. We're going to finish up chapter 5 tonight. And we're going to finish the last of the, uh, I guess, kind of the sub-series that we're in on the least commandments. Matthew chapter 5. I tell you, we just sang that song about standing or on that solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. And I tell you, really what burdened me about this uh, series of messages is it's a, you know, it's a, a lot of the Christian terminology has made it out there. People know the terminology. They know the things that they're supposed to say. And they're real good at saying things that sound right. But yet, when it comes to actually following them or doing them the way the Bible says, you find out they're really far from it. I talked to a guy one time who I happened to know was a drug dealer. And I was talking to him and I tried to witness to him and I asked him if he knew Jesus Christ as his Savior. He said, oh yes, He's number one in my life. And I was like, oh, that's good. He's like, oh yeah, I always keep Him number one. And I'm thinking, if you keep Jesus Christ number one in your life, you're not going to be dealing drugs. It's just those two things just don't go hand in hand. But, they, but everybody knows, you know, put God first. People know that terminology. So they'll say the things, but when it comes to actually doing them, not even close. And so when somebody says that their life is built on Jesus Christ, that their life is on that solid rock, if that is the case, then you're going to be doing these things that we've been talking about here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We don't want to forget that. But let's go ahead and read verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5. We'll read the rest of this chapter. It says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You again for this time, Lord. And I pray that You'll be in this message. Dear God, I pray that You'll help us to get these things, Lord. And I pray that it will become clear, Lord, and You'll reveal what You'd have us to do in our lives, Lord, to fulfill these passages. In Your name we pray. Amen. So, we see here, we're we're still talking about least commandments. If you... Do them and teach them. You'll be great. You'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But if we don't do them, if you teach other people not to do them, then you will be the least. There's a lot of people who study the Bible pretty regular. They study it pretty thorough, but they study it looking for loopholes in ways that they can get out of maybe doing certain things. Maybe they don't like the things that the pastor's preaching about. And so they'll study the Bible and try to find some excuse in there. And maybe they'll take one verse. They'll take one verse and they'll take it out of context. And a lot of times that's how new religions are formed. And we don't want to do that. We need to be trying to find out these things. And we need to be teaching it, teaching it the way it says it in the Bible. So this first one we're going to look at tonight is in verse 43. He says, "Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. I think we've talked a lot here about loving your neighbor. 
we've talked a lot about you know uh, who our neighbor is, but you know what? Some it's it's actually I think easier to love a perfect stranger than it is sometimes to love that person that maybe you know but is an enemy. So I don't have any enemies. Well, I'm not. You know, I think we all probably have some enemies. You've got people that maybe you work with that they make your job a little more difficult. Maybe you got a neighbor that you're always disputing with things about. This isn't necessarily talking about somebody that we're at war with or somebody we're trying to kill, but somebody that maybe there's a little bit of hostility going between the two of you. Maybe there, maybe you've got some disagreements and things. And he, but he says, he tells me, he said, you've heard that been said. In other words, in the law, you know, you're supposed to love your neighbor, but it doesn't really say anything about uh, loving your enemy. You don't, you don't ever see that in the Old Testament. But he says, but I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, and he says, I want you to love your enemies. Love those people that are working against you, that are making things difficult for you. Bless them that curse you. Somebody who is saying evil things. When we think of a curse, a lot of times people think, you know, of some witch stirring a pot somewhere and, you know, pronouncing a curse on somebody. A curse could just be somebody saying, Bad things do you want and saying they want, you know, I wish you would die or something like that. That could be somebody cursing you. The Bible says, bless them. You say something good back. It says, uh, do good to them that hate you. Alright? I mean, hate. There are people out there that are going to hate you. Okay? That happens. There's people out there that it doesn't take much to get them to hate somebody. They're like that. The Bible says, do good to them. Uh, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. All these things that we see in here are completely against our nature to do them. And that's what number one is. Love even when it goes against our nature. That's what Jesus is saying here. Love even when it goes against your nature. This business of loving your neighbor and hating your enemy, that is nature. That makes sense. In the animal kingdom, there are certain animals, they have enemies, and they fight each other, and they go against each other. Maybe there's certain animals, they want, you know, the same food, or maybe certain animals, they're fighting over the same female animal, and they hate each other, and they'll fight each other, and they'll even try to kill each other. I remember one time I was out in the woods, and I saw three raccoons just going at it. Two of them attacking another one. It, it scared me. Boy, these raccoons were screaming. At each other, I did not know they could make noises like this, and it got it was getting ugly. And I remember we kind of felt sorry for the one raccoon because they were just tearing at this thing. They're way up in a tree. My dad fired the gun to scare them. The two ran away, and then all of a sudden they decided to go back for him. And that other one, he was about thirty feet up in a tree, and when he saw those other ones coming back, he jumped all the way down, and we couldn't see where he landed. But I mean, it was it was ugly. We felt sorry. For that raccoon. In the animal kingdom, that happens. They make enemies and they fight them. They will kill them. They will steal from them. They will do that. And you know what? Even humans, we can be the same way. It's in our very sin nature to do that, to try to destroy those who are in our way or to get at people who maybe have something that we want. But Jesus said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do the opposite of what goes against your nature. I want you to love your enemies. You'll never see that in the animal kingdom. 
They won't do that. The only way you'll see that with mankind is if mankind's listening to Jesus Christ. If they're following His Word. And He tells us to love even when it goes against our nature. It's in our nature, number two, to love uh, to love our children and family. Okay, that's understandable. There are commandments in the Bible about loving your children, about loving your family. But you know what? I think that one that one should be a pretty easy one. I know there's times it's probably difficult. I know there's times as parents when you like to kill your kid, but at the same time, you never would. But at this, uh, you know, you they'll drive you crazy sometimes, but you always you always love them. Now there are exceptions. I heard about a young lady here in Illinois just recently, some about my age. She went and she shot her boyfriend and shot all three of her kids, and one of them was just a baby. She shot them all. I and then she killed herself. I don't get that. I don't pretend to understand people like that. That doesn't make a bit of sense to me because it's in our nature to love our children and family. You'll even see that in the animal kingdom. You see, you know, uh, a mother bear. Boy, you don't want to mess. You don't want to mess with her cub. She'll tear you up. Even certain birds and things. You go around their nest. Those little birds. They'll come after you. They'll attack you. I remember I was riding my bike along the canal in Utica one time. And I remember I saw these geese. There are these two geese there along along the shore. And I remember they came after me, and they were making this hissing sound. It really creeped me out. And I remember when I was on my way back, I saw them again, and I noticed they had some babies. They were trying to protect their babies. That's natural to love your family. It's natural to love your children. It's also in our nature to love those who love us. Number three, it's in your nature to love those. Who love us. That makes sense. It's easy to love people that love you. You'll see that with animals. You'll see uh, maybe a little dog. If you love that dog and you're nice to that dog, he'll love you back. My dad, my mom and dad, they have a dog. I hate that dog. I'm mean to that dog. I say mean things to that dog. I do everything I can to keep that dog away from me. And it just doesn't work. The dog still likes me for some reason. And I'm working on it. <laughs> but at the same time, most of the time with animals, you can get them to hate you too real easy. If you're mean to them, if you're, if you're abusive to them, they're going to hate you. They're not going to like you. But it's in our nature, and even with humans, it's in our nature to love those who love us. That's very easy to do. But we're talking about something completely different here. Jesus is telling us to do something that goes against our nature. Verse Number four, it is opposite of our nature to love those who hate us, but it is the very nature of God. That's that's what God did. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. How it said, but God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we've sinned against God, even though I mean we I mean we're sinful, He's holy. I mean we're as opposite as can be when it comes to us and God, but He still loves us. That's who God is. God is love, the Bible says. That is the very nature of God to love those who hate Him. He did that for us. He loves those who sinned against Him. And Jesus, when He told us to do these things, He didn't tell us to do it because it was easy. He told us to do it because He had the right to because it was something that He had done for us. And it was also so people could know that we are His disciples. 
It's not, once again, many of these things we're talking about, the whole point of them is so people can see who we really are. So they can see that we're Christians. They need to see that we're different. All these things that we've talked about, hating your enemy, loving those who love you, that's, it's natural. That's nature. Everybody understands that. But loving your enemies, doing good to them that hate you and curse you and all those things, that's what's going to get people's attention. That's going to show people that there, that there is something different about this person. I wish I could tell you you're never going to have enemies, but you're going to. You're going to have them in your school. There's going to be, there's going to be kids that come through your school that are just going to make you miserable that seems like their only purpose of coming there is to make your life difficult. And it seems like that's their mission. And you know what? It might be. And this whole thing of loving your enemies, it's hard. It's not natural. It's not... It's, uh, it's totally against our nature, but yet that is the command that Jesus gave. And then number five, see, we should do things that will distinguish us from the lost. Verse 45, we covered this verse a couple weeks ago. It says, "...that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust." So right there we see that he's saying that's how people can know. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. This morning we talked about how bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to lost people. Can you imagine if everybody, like if everybody who was a Christian, if people who were saved, nothing bad ever happened to them. They never got cancer. They never got sick. They never. Uh, you know, just never had anything happen. They never died. Well, you know what? Everybody would want to be a Christian, wouldn't they? But it would be for all the wrong reasons. It wouldn't be because they wanted to be saved from their sins. It wouldn't be because they were sorry for their sins. It would be because they wanted all these good things to happen to them. But at the same, so God couldn't do it that way. That would have just that would have messed everything up. So He did it. He uh, He made us pretty much like them. We get sick. We have battles. We have difficulties, but he needed to be able to. There needed to be a way for people to be able to tell who's saved and who's not. And one of those is by following these commandments. If we'll do these things, they will know that you're his children. They'll be able to see that we're different than other people, and it will. And then it'll give us an opportunity to point them to Christ. So we need to do things that distinguish us from the lost. And all these things that we talked about here so far, the things we talked about in the last two messages in this series, they will help. They will help the world distinguish us from who's saved and who's lost. Many times, Christian people will say, "I can't do these things. It's impossible. It's not me." Listen, if you if that's true that you cannot do them, it's because you're not really saved. If you were saved, then you would be able to do them through Christ. Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He didn't say I can do all things because of my strength. He said I can do them through Him because He strengthens us. And God's not going to tell us to do something that He's not going to give us the ability to do. So we know that we can actually do these things if we would try. So number six, don't just do the easy things. Don't just do the easy things. A lot of these things that we've talked about, some of them are very hard. 
The loving your enemies. That's a hard one. Some of them are easy. A lot of things that we try to teach you to do as Christians, they're, easy, they're, they're really pretty easy to do, I think, for the most part. Some people try to make them out like they're really hard. But I think, uh, I think a lot of them are easy. For example, it's easy to be different. To me, maybe, maybe not for everybody, to me, it's easy to be different in areas like the way we dress. I don't know about you all, but I don't like the fashions of this world. They do not attract me at all. I, I go look for clothes now, and it seems like it's harder and harder to find clothes because there's some pretty weird things you can get out there. There's some pretty goofy looking outfits. There's some pretty crazy hairstyles and things. And you know what? Uh, I, I like being able to comb my hair. I know these days you're supposed to mess it all up and do all kinds of crazy things to it. I'm glad that I, I'm glad I can keep it short and I don't have to get it all, you know, long and scraggly and have to take care of all that mess. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to do that. Uh, things like speech. I don't know. I just uh, the language that you hear today just vile, dirty. I don't. You know, if I, I imagine if you've grown up talking like that, it would be hard to give that up. But I'm thankful. That you know, I grew up in a home where we weren't allowed to say anything. It was if it was too negative, I mean, we get in trouble for it. And so uh, those, but those are those are actually. I mean, I think they're the easier things. Different activities. You know what? I didn't. I know New Year's Eve, you're supposed to get drunk. All right. I don't have any problems with not doing that. You know, I don't. <laughs> I've seen people that are drunk before. It's not real appealing to me. I saw, you know, I've seen, I saw a grown man one time, a lawyer, all dressed up in a suit and everything. We, I remember we were, me and my dad, we were in Ottawa, there by the courthouse, and we were, they had this new statue of Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas there. And this guy comes walking up to us, and he's like, "That was a great man right there. He was a good lawyer, a whole lot better than me." <laughs> and he was drunk. It was very obvious that he was drunk. He's like, "I'm sorry, but I'm a little drunk right now." I lost a case today. And he was. And he's drool I remember he's drooling. I remember he had these stains and things on his suit. And it just it looked horrible. And I thought this man in his sober mind would be humiliated at the condition he's in right now. He would be he'd be humiliated. I'm glad you know, I don't I don't miss things like that. To me, that's easy not to do that. It's easy not to do drugs. I've been enough, I've been around enough people on drugs that Boy, I'm scared to death of them. I'm scared to death of even doctor prescribed drugs. I'm just I'm scared of medicine. I'll take them if I have to. But I don't. Uh, those things. It's easy, I think, to be uh, different in those areas. It might be harder for some people, depending on the environment they grow up and things. But you know what? There's other things that it's not easy to be different in areas like behavior. So I grew up in a pastor's home, but you know what? I still had to learn how to deal with things like tempers. I had four sisters. And man, I I fought that all the time. In school, and even on my and some of the jobs and things. Those are hard it's hard to be different in those areas sometimes. Like uh emotions, self-control or even things like selfishness. It's hard not to get caught up in those things. Those these are ones that are hard for me. It might be different for you. But for me, it's hard not to do those things sometimes. But we've we've got to do them. We don't just do the easy things. We got to do the hard things too, that are in the Bible. It's very important when people see you doing those hard things, and they see you getting victory in those areas. Then that's 
what's going to help them, that's going to get their attention. Remember, all these things, they don't cause us to be glorified. All these things are supposed to point people to Christ. I'm very careful. You know, I, I don't like to talk a whole lot when I've, you know, in the jobs and things that I've worked in the past when people start finding out that you're a little different than they are. And they start talking to you about your lifestyle and things. Uh, you know, I don't like to talk a whole lot to them about, you know, I guess rules or whatever you want to call them, standards and things. I don't like to talk a whole lot about that because a lot of times when you do, all you're really doing is pointing at yourself. It's like, yeah, I don't do this. I do this. I don't do that. And it gets them looking at you. Well, if they get too focused on you, you're going to slip up at some point. And then all of a sudden, if their faith and if everything they thought about Christianity was based on you, well, then they're going to probably be in for a letdown. But we can use these things sometimes to say, listen, I try the way I try to is you know is maybe people I they've been blown away you know that we I don't believe in you know drinking alcohol and I'll tell them say listen I'm just like you I could I'm like I'm like anybody else I could easily become a drunk I could I could easily you know become addicted to that stuff I if if I'm not careful I could easily be the one getting the DUI. If I if I want I could get addicted to that and I could be the kind of husband that beats his wife or the kind of father that beats his children while under the influence I could do all those things and I don't want to do those things and God's told us how we can avoid that and so He told us to stay away from it He told us not to even look at it so I I when I, when I the way I try to get the point across is I don't do these things it's not about me thinking I'm better than anybody else. It's about me realizing that I'm just as low down and sorry as anybody and I'm trying to do I'm trying to do right. And when you put it across to them that way, that'll help them understand it. And then if we do mess up, and hopefully you won't, but if you do, then they'll realize well, it's just because you're human and we're not going to make God look bad. And so that uh make sure so we don't just do the easy things. So then number eight or number seven. Do good to people that are not in your group. Do good to people that are not in your group. Verse 47 says, And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Your group. What is your group? Well, it could be anything. It could be uh, people in your family. You know, maybe your family. Maybe people... Of uh, you know we've all you've all heard of you know notice clicks and things that tend to happen little groups and things you know if I'm only nice to people in this town who come to Liberty Baptist Church, uh, God's not impressed with that. Nobody's going to be impressed with that. If I'm only nice to people who are nice to me, people that I consider maybe my own group, I'm not doing anything special. The Bible says if you salute your brethren only. What do ye more than others? See, we're supposed to be doing better. We're supposed to be going the extra step, going the extra mile. It says, do not even the publicans. So the publicans, they were a pretty wicked group during that time. They were the tax collectors. They were a very despised group. Nobody really liked them, and for good reason. But the publicans, they were nice to each other. They would salute each other. 
they go by and they you know shake each other's hands or or, or do whatever uh, greeting that they had during that time and in that culture. Though even the publicans were nice to each other. So he said, "What do ye more? You know, everybody is willing to help their own kind. Drug dealers will do that. A drug dealer they might help another drug dealer as long as they're not in competition. A politicians, politicians do that, don't they? Boy, they're real good at helping each other out and not helping the people they were elected to help most of the time. Prisoners will even do that, and even people from every religion, they'll do that." They'll take care of their own. They'll be kind to their own. They'll greet their own. They'll, uh, you know, they'll do things for their own. Everybody does that. But Jesus said, "I want you to do more than that. You don't just salute your brethren only. You do those that aren't in your group. Maybe, uh, you know, the rich people. They want to just be around the rich people." They don't like. They look down on the poor people, or maybe the poor people. They just want to be around other poor people, and they look down on the rich people for you know whatever. You know that's not the way it's supposed to be. We ought to be kind to everybody. It doesn't matter what group they're in. In fact, to us, it ought. I mean, we ought to look as at individuals like individuals, and we show kindness to all of them. But so many people, though, that's not really where they're at. You know, and really, what is the reason? The publicans. Why did they salute each other? Why were they kind to each other? Well, you know what? These people were in their profession. They were in their group. There were things they could do to help them. And so many times, that's the way it is. It's like that. I mentioned in politics. I remember my wife's brother. He was in the National Guard in Wisconsin. And we went up there one time to go see him off when he was getting ready to, you know, go over. They were getting ready to go over to Iraq. His whole his whole group. And I remember the lieutenant governor from uh, Wisconsin was there, and you know, and she's going around, you know, like a typical politician, all smiling and being nice and shaking people's hands and all these things. And she came by us, and she, I think, I think it was Chloe at the time. She was pretty little, and she's it's like looking at her and talking about how cute she was and saying these nice things about her. And just for fun, I almost said. You don't need to be nice to us. We're from Illinois. We can't vote for you either way. <laughs> but I didn't do that. But we know that that's why they're being nice. I remember there was a lady that worked at the DMV in LaSalle. This was one of just the meanest ladies. Nobody liked her. She Anytime people would talk about how they hated going to the DMV in LaSalle because of this one woman there that just was mean. And everybody always hoped that she wasn't the one that ended up helping them. And she was always mean to me. Some a couple times, I even tried to see if I could be nice, and it just wouldn't work. You'd ask her questions, and she'd just get real short with you, and she was just mean. And I remember, uh, not long after that, we had moved to Utica, and I had to go in there for something. And she's like, "Oh, you live in Utica?" And she, and she was like, "Whoa, you're paying attention to me? Did you just smile at me? What's going on?" And she starts talking to me and everything. She's like, she's like, yeah, have you, uh, have you seen the signs in town? And she mentioned her name, and there were uh, she was running for city clerk or something in the town of Utica. And then I realized why she was being nice to me. She wanted me to vote for her. I'm <laughs> thinking, that's not going to work. And she was always nice to me after that because she knew I lived in Utica. But I told my wife, I'm not voting for her. And I was like, make sure you don't vote for her. I don't even know who's running against her. But I don't like her. And we're not, it's like, I mean, 
And I knew that was the only reason she was nice to me. It made me, it, oh, it made me mad that she was nice to me for, for that reason. But you know what? That's, that's natural what she was doing. We're supposed to be doing something that's unnatural. That's what this message is all about. Doing things that go against our nature. Being kind even to people that have nothing to offer us. I've been in churches before we've gone and visited, and you know we, we like visiting other churches. If we're if our family is uh, you know if we're traveling through an area and it's a Sunday or Wednesday, we like to go to other churches and just drop in and just go there. And if it's a good church, you know we try to get ideas. If it's a bad church, it makes us more thankful for ours, and we just we enjoy it. But you know, a lot of times you go into these churches and boy, they see this family all come in, and it's like they're real nice and they're real friendly, and thinking, ooh, potential members. But then they find out you're from another state and you're just passing through. And it's like, ah, who cares? <laughs> not going to pay any, you know, not going to pay any attention to you. And I, that's understandable. It's natural, but it's not the way it's supposed to be with us. We ought to, we ought to be kind. I mean, and the Bible talks about that. If somebody comes in and they're, boy, they're dressed up in that in gorgeous apparel. I mean, it's it's obvious that these people have money. And then there's somebody else that they come in and they're in shabby clothing and they look like they're just as poor as a church mouse. And the Bible says you're kind to the well-dressed person and unkind to the poor person. But that kind of stuff upsets God big time. And we ought to have no part in that. And I hope that never happens around here. We show kindness to everybody. We shouldn't be, as a church, when people come in here, we shouldn't have an attitude of what do they have to offer us. It ought to be what do we have to offer them. How can we be a blessing to these people? What can we do to help? But that goes against our nature. Tell you, we spend way too much time just following our heart, as the world says. Just follow your heart. You watch any couple of Disney movies, they'll say something about following your heart on there. I've seen girls wear the shirts to church. Follow your heart. It's like, do you know how unbiblical that statement is? My Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our hearts are like that. It's our nature to be selfish like this. But we're we're Christians. We're trying to follow Christ. He's a lot different than we are. And we're trying to follow Him, so we're going to have to do things that go against our nature. And then, so, uh, so yeah, number eight was everybody helps their own kind. And then number nine, everybody, what? everybody helps their own kind. Oh, yeah. yeah, everybody's willing to help their own kind. That's easy. And then number nine, we'll look at verse 48. Read verse 48. It says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now what's that talking about? Be perfect? Haven't we already all blown that one? I don't know about you all, but I have. I've already blown the perfect thing. Remember, Jesus, He's not going to ask us to do something that can't be done. Now this word perfect here, it's not talking about sinless perfection. That's not what it's talking about. We know we've blown that. We know that that's long gone. We've, we're so far from that. It's not even funny. But this word... The word perfect many times in the Bible, it means finished, complete, or pure. Finished or complete. So this be ye therefore perfect goes with number nine here, which I believe it means just live up to your potential. Live up to your potential. You know what? God has expectations for your life. Number ten. God has expectations for your life. 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, uh, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God doesn't expect perfect perfection, but He does expect some things from us. And He expects us to live up to our potential. Now that might be different for other people. There are certain things that I expect from Tommy that I don't expect from Allie. Why? Tommy's got a little more ability right now than she does. He's almost ten. She's one and a half. We're all different in that area. And and even when we grow up, we all have different abilities. We have different uh we have different gifts. We have different things that make it harder uh for us. We all have those things, but God still has a plan for you. It's not the same one for everybody. But he has something for you, and he wants us to live up to our potential. Whatever it is He has for us, He wants us to be complete in Him. He wants us to finish that task. God has expectations for your life. And He says in that verse that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If God has called you to something, if He started something in your life, He'll be there through the whole thing. He'll always do His part to the very end. And He expects... He's given you a part to do too. You know, we believe in a sovereign God, but we also believe in a God who gives us choices. And we believe in a God who sometimes He doesn't control us like robots. He does give us a will of our own and He wants us to submit that will to Him and follow His lead. God has expectations for your life. Number 11, God expects you to fulfill them. He expects you to fulfill whatever He calls you to do. He wants you to fulfill it. First Corinthians ten thirteen. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. God will help you fulfill whatever it is. You might think there's no way I can make it through this. There is no, uh, the situation I'm in. It's so hard. I cannot. There's no way I can handle it. My Bible says that God will make a way of escape for you. You might think I've got a sin in this area. God will make a way of escape for you. He's faithful. He'll do His part. Will, the question is, will you do your part? And then number twelve. Jesus always lives up to His potential. Always. 1 Peter 1, verse 15, "...but as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy." Once again, holy? Be holy? Haven't we already blown that one too? Yeah, we've totally blown that one. But you know one thing that we can do is we can live up to our potential. Jesus, He did live up to His potential. He didn't have that sin nature like you and I have. He had the very nature of God. And He was holy. Jesus did every single thing that God expected Him to do. He did it all. He did every one of those things. And it was God that gave Him the ability to do the things that He did. And God has given us the ability to do certain things. And it's... Different for everybody, but He wants us to fulfill them. He wants us to be holy. 
as He's holy. He wants us to live up to our potential as He has lived up to His potential. That and so that that there closes this chapter here and what uh, where He's talking about the least commandments. He wants you to follow these things. This is how we build our life on Jesus Christ. We find these commandments and we start putting them into practice. Boy, and some of these things, like I said, there's a lot of them. you, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's just full of different things. I mean, we could have preached messages on each one of these verses. There's so much to them. But you know, what we've got to actually do is on purpose. On purpose, we you ought to go through and read these things and just find one. Find one thing that you think, I'm not doing that. Find one thing and then start doing it. Start following that commandment and then go find another one. And you start adding these things. And what we're slowly doing is we're building our house. We're building it on that rock. We're building it on Jesus Christ. And when those storms come, we will be able to stand. I hope you do that. So let's all stand together tonight with our heads bowed.